comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Hey everybody, in this special bonus episode, we will be discussing Iron Man 3 in full spoiler detail, so that is your last warning. Also, this is a bonus episode for a very specific reason. My sister and I recorded it while driving, so there's a lot of background noise. Pierce and I will probably do a Iron Man 3 review on our own at some point in the future, but I thought I wanted to get this one out as soon as possible since the movie just came out, so please enjoy it. There is a lot of noise in the background, so if you can't stand that... Just skip this episode. Like I said, it's a bonus. It doesn't count towards the regular numbering. And uh, stick around for the Pierce and Jordan review of Iron Man 3 coming up later, hopefully. Anyway, here is the episode. Welcome to Jersey Shore. This is Jordan from Jersey. I'm here with my sister, Becca, from Burlington. How are you, Rebecca? I'm doing quite well. When when we do that? When we did a... Transformers? We, yeah, I want to say it was like Transformers 1 or 2. Uh, it was Robot Heaven. That was two. It was two. Yeah, that was the one I really hated. <laughs> like, the other two I can stomach. The second one was... Terrible. ...really bothered me. Um, anyway, we, we did a review for another podcast years ago, uh, where she came up with Becca from Wellington. Anyway, we, a few hours ago, saw <laughs> Iron Man 3, and then we went to a play. We saw Shakespeare's As You Like It, so, as done in an early 1900s bluegrass um, holler, I guess you could say. Hipster. Yeah, slash hipster. A lot of Mumford and Son stuff. Anyway, it, it was actually really funny. Our youngest sister was in it. So we've now had some time to ruminate and confuse Iron Man with Shakespeare. What did you think of Iron Man 3? I thought it was amazing. Uh, how can you not? It's Tony Stark and Iron Man. I thought, overall, it was very purposeful. Everything in this movie seemed to have a reason. There wasn't just lots of random fights or things to have happened for no apparent reason. Which, did you have a problem with Iron Man 2 with how they had kind of a lot of sh- side shield stuff in yeah, introducing the Marvel Universe? It, it just wasn't as cohesive as a film as I really felt this was. And there was really, like, no external things in this movie. I mean, there was some flashbacks to Avengers. That was that was very important to Tony's character arc. Yes, which I, I found that very interesting, and I like how they tie that in with the anxiety attacks and how he just he couldn't handle to talk about it, and how, as far as Avengers, tied into just his current... Um, mental state. Yeah, mental state. I, I think they mentioned S.H.I.E.L.D. once, um, in passing. Yeah, but it wasn't like a focal point. And the after credit scene has a very clear Avengers tie-in. Yes. Um, maybe we'll leave that unspoiled. Um, I'm sure Pierce and I will end up talking about it. But anyway, so there, there wasn't all that extraneous stuff. There was a lot going on in the movie. But it was purposeful. It was all one central plot, even though it didn't seem like it at first. Yeah. They tied everything together pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, as far as the plot goes, for the most part, it was, the twists were not predictable. Yeah, I was caught off guard by not all of them, because I, I thought the trailer gave away too much. Like, That's true. Which I have not seen as many trailers or studied them, probably to the extent of you have. I've probably only seen what you've shown me, so maybe once or twice, and not recently. Right. No, so I that's have. not as, as spoiled for me. But there was still a number of twists where I was like, oh, oh. wow, that's cool. <laughs> which which was definitely um, well, nice. Well, did you have a favorite twist? or? I think 
favorite twist, best thought out twist would definitely be uh, the Mandarin of just how his how, character... How he's actually Trevor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how awesome was Ben Kingsley in that role? Oh, just fantastic. As both, the, I love them as the Mandarin and as Trevor. I thought the Mandarin was uh, right on spot, very creepy, mystical. I don't even you know how to describe that. He was almost like a mix of Bane and the Joker. Yes, uh, where you, cool. you weren't really sure what he was pulling from. And I thought his character as um, Trevor, just the drunken, um, nobody's really getting hurt. I have no idea what's going on. Was also very interesting and, and well thought out and played. Yeah, it was kind of Ringo Starr as a supervillain, which I, th- I think Tony even calls him Ringo at one point. Yeah. Um, not not to say that Ringo Starr is a drunk, but similar <laughs> similar mannerisms yes. and accent and stuff. Uh, I, th- I thought that was quite good. What did you think of Tony and Pepper's relationship in the movie? Um, I liked. I'm trying to think. Um. I thought it was well represented, um, that they didn't go over into it, but it helped to the developmental, the development of the character, and, um... Which, which character? Tony or Tony's. Um, I don't really know a whole lot about Peppers, and I like her, and, you know, she's a girl, so that's always more Well, but, but, I mean, you've seen all three movies. I mean, hopefully, anything you need to know about her... Yes, I mean, she's definitely developed as a character, and how she came into her own. Yeah, she... I think at the end, I mean, she was really just... I thought it was an interesting parallel between this movie and uh, Dark Knight Rises, in that... You know, the trailers for this started coming out around the time Dark Knight Rises came out, I believe. And a lot of people were comparing, like, the Mandarin to Bane. And even, I'm saying now, even after seeing the movie, there are similarities. And I thought that worked well. Um, But, spoilers for the Dark Knight Rises, three, two, one, um, Bane gets killed by Catwoman. Right. And the real Mandarin, uh, Adrian? Whatever. Alistair? Something, whatever. The real Mandarin, anyway, was killed by Pepper. Right. I thought that was kind of a cool parallel. Which, which also, during the whole movie, and I forgot in the uh, in the earlier fight scene where the house gets destroyed, she also takes on the Iron Man suit. Yeah, which is cool. And, which I wouldn't have expected from her character, I don't think. Like, I kind of would have expected her just to run away, but she was very, I'm going to rescue Tommy kind of a thing. So that was also, um, you know, her coming into her own throughout the entire film, where before she was kind of that standalone, as she also stood up to whatever killer... Adrian Killich? Killich, maybe that's right. Um, in the office... He was a good character and acted well. I just, for the life of me, I've he just had seen a Shakespeare. strange name. I've just seen the Shakespearean play with a lot of funny names, and therefore yes. it's hard for me to remember another funny name. But when he came with the proposal to her office and tried to kind of talk her into it and be like, you're your own person, you don't need Tony to tell you what to do, she was very like, um, you're nuts. No thanks. <laughs> um, I am making my own decision, and I think you're crazy. So I thought that was also very well developed for her character. Uh, what about uh, other major character relationships? I mean, Happy doesn't have a lot to do. I mean, what he does is important, but it's not in a ton of the film. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I could not remember him until about halfway through from the other movies. It took me a while to place him and his significance. And he's probably in the first two movies less because he directed both of those movies. That's John Favreau, who also directed Elf. Right, um, yes. Um, 
Cowboys and Aliens, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> He's a very good director. I just didn't like that movie. Like, I understood, like, where his character was, but it took me a while to, like, oh, that's right. He's what, the bodyguard kind what of What did you think of his mullet in the flashback? <laughs> I, for the life of me, didn't understand that that was supposed to be the same person until there was the... Uh, there was one conversation between him and Tony about the elevator and that night kind of a thing, like, gotcha. that he was there. So that was kind of, because he did look so different. I don't know, I think it looked that different. So just okay, maybe, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Uh, I was probably, one of those. You kept getting texts. You're one of those people. Yeah, um, I was. I apologize. I, I guess the biggest other main relationship, non-antagonistic relationship, uh, Tony and Brody. Right. And they gave... It was interesting. There was certain points where they gave Rhodey a lot to do, and other points where you'd think he'd be part of the fight, and for plot reasons, he couldn't be. Right. But, he, I mean, he still got to hold his own. He got mm-hmm. to do some cool stuff. I also thought it was kind of strange how it took them so long for him to get back into the suit. Which him? Um, Brody. Brody. Um, like, he didn't immediately go for the president. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. And, like, immediately start fighting. It was kind of like, oh, I, you don't have a suit for me? Well, whatever am I going to do? I thought that was more because not only was the president's life in danger, but they had, like, we were 10 to 20 extremist super soldiers coming yeah, it after just, them. It just seemed strange to me because I'm used to them fighting side by side. So even though they were, it was at a very, like... He had the disadvantage kind of a feel. It was strange. Right. And then I once thought. he got the suit, I mean, he... Oh. I, I wouldn't say hightailed it either. He got the president's safety, which was his main job. Right. That is his his job. So, that was... I also, as far as characters, not to skip away from him, but I found the relationship between the boy and Tony Stark to be very interesting. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about that for a second. A, a, a little kid who has a large role kind of out of nowhere in a movie, and I didn't hate it. Which is saying a lot. And it was a Christmas movie. Yeah, a Christmas movie that I actually really liked. Which, <laughs> that makes three total. Elf. Yep. Uh, this movie and... Um, Woody the Third? Uh, Harold and Kumar's 3D oh, Christmas Spectacular, whatever it's called. I don't even know if that counts as a movie in my opinion. Oh, but... it, was, it was actually pretty funny. I, th- I think this one really played up the Christmas angle. Not, yeah. not in a weird way, but just... No, it was know. well developed. But I just found... I didn't see the kid coming... Well, he literally showed up out of nowhere. Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't kind of see that coming, and I just thought the banter between the two of them was quite amusing. I thought that you kind of saw almost a young Tony Stark in him. Oh yeah. And like they didn't go too far with uh, of just how they didn't take it too far with him being for lack of their better of a word a, a dick to the little kid. Right. I mean, the, at the a certain kid, point, it felt like they were going really far with that, and then, then they, they turned kid, it around and was like, "Oh, okay, it's all cool." Yeah. <laughs> Which was very good because I mean, I don't like children, but even I was like, "Tony, back off a little bit." And but then, then the kid totally was playing Tony, so it was okay. Yeah. What about the overall narrative structure of Tony telling a story and a flashback and voiceover narrative? I don't think there was any of that in the first two. Yeah, as a, a personal preference, that is one of my favorite storytelling methods okay. of, of a movie, of a uh, writing a paper or anything. I love the flashback narrative uh, style, so that I really liked. I thought it was cohesive. Um, Excuse me. And I, the ending was just brilliant for that purpose. The after credits ending. Yeah, saying, it, was, yeah. it was great. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for sharing your thoughts. Maybe we'll get some more later, maybe we won't, but... Um... Uh, we had a lot of fun going to see the movie together. Yeah. We saw it in IMAX 3D. Yes. Did you think the 3D added? The one last question, I guess. What did you think the 3D added? Or uh, yes, I, I really did. And we sat kind of close, which I was concerned about at the beginning, but it really was probably the best 3D I think I've seen. Yeah, and I wasn't sure if that was just that the 
technology's really progressed or we just had like the perfect seats for it. Yeah. But it looked really good. Yes. And at this point, Rebecca and I arrived at our destination, ate some pizza, and then got back in the car and continued the review. So please enjoy the rest of it. Okay, so the kid, you said before you were really like the kid, I believe his name was Harley? Yes, Harley. Harley sounds right. Harley and the Mechanic, a yes. new uh, spinoff show I want to see. Um, <laughs> he was cool. I mean... Um, Mini Stark, or young young Tony Stark. Yeah, kind of in a way. And he, I mean, he was very much... I felt like even though most of the explicit Christmas stuff wasn't with him, a lot of the thematic Christmas stuff was, yes. but it still worked. Like, normally that would be the kind of thing I like, gag me, I want to go home. But... Right. It really endeared me to. And they didn't do, like, the stupid, oh, well, they, they did, but they didn't, um, you know, my mom has to work all the time and my dad left us. It was kind of like, I'm okay with that. I just do my thing. Yep. You know, he was kind of independent and just rolled with it. And a smart kid who really wanted to annoy Tony. Yes. Which was funny. I also kind of dug that for a ostensibly Christmas movie, which again... It was and it wasn't, but... Yeah, a, a Christmas movie that was released in May. Yeah, but not just was it set at Christmas, but it was very Christmas in theme, theme as well. Yes. Theme tone, only not in the way that usually sucks, which is almost every time. It is... I, I appreciate the fact that while Tony learned to appreciate Pepper more by then, I guess, it wasn't like he learned some Christmas lesson. Right. Which would not fit the character of Tony. Well, I don't think he ever... Disappreciated Pepper in the first movie, yes. In the second movie, I think he was kind of more like he he valued her. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess it, it was, was just, just more, he, he needed to give up the armor. He needed to his obsession, which was like PTSD from what oh, happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it wasn't like he was intentionally like, oh, I just don't care, or you know, being a jerk about it. It was just he was going through some issues and needed to resolve them. Right, right. Well, let's actually use that as a jumping-off point, because you mentioned the PTSD. You have had a panic attack at some point in the past, right, I believe? Yes. With, <laughs> with your myriad of headache problems and, and yes. allergy problems and such. And stress, and yes. yes. <laughs> and I have also... I've, I've only had one. I'm by no means an expert, but I have had a panic attack. I felt, for me personally, and, and you may disagree, I don't know, but I thought the way they depicted the panic attacks was pretty spot, spot on, on perfect. Oh, that... Like, that was exactly how I felt that one time, and that was a horrifying experience. I have had multiple, so that was definitely a spot on. If you could try to describe it to somebody and say, well, that's what a panic attack looks like and, and, and feels, feels like. like from inside of a character, that that was perfect. I'm sure it feels differently for, for different, different people. people. But you definitely got that that was what was going on and just the kind of out of control feeling of, you know, he was trying to figure out what was going on and didn't even realize it himself until afterward looking back. Right. Uh, was a very interesting. Well, he didn't even realize, he, took, he realized it when Jarvis told him. That's what I mean. But then, but he was able to realize it uh, going forth in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time in the car... And the time of the kid, which I guess both times he was right, talking, yeah. like he was able to then recognize that feeling again and identify it. Now, here's an interesting question. We, we talked before about, well, I say interesting question, it could be boring and banal, but we talked before about how this was very, uh, coherence, not the right word, but everything was of a piece and it didn't have all the kind of extraneous stuff that 
Iron Man 2 did. Cohesive. Yeah, cohesive, which I still like Iron Man 2. I'm not, like, dogging. So there was only the one mention of S.H.I.E.L.D. There was the one tie-in in the after credit scene. There was, uh, you know, flashbacks to Avengers, but not a ton of them. It was, like, twice, maybe. And yeah. And they, they mentioned New York a bunch of times because that was important to what happened to Tony. To his, yeah. He, he kind of died, in a way, for a minute. So, um, until the whole yelled him back to life, which is always handy. But, uh, so, here's my, my question. Did you feel, while watching the film, and maybe this never even crossed your mind, which I would say means they're doing their job, but did you feel at any point, while all this is going down, where's Captain America or somebody to jump in and be like, I'm here as well as the president is being kidnapped? There was one specific time, and I'm trying to figure out where I went, where in the world, like, this would be a perfect time for, is Captain America going to show up? And... Oh, I wish I could remember when that was, but I do distinctly remember having that uh, thought. I want to say it was when he was in the dungeon, I think, as he referred it to. Gotcha, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. With Rebecca Hall. No, Rebecca Hall is the actress. Um, uh, Maya Mia, Hill. Mia or Maya, whatever her name is. I want to say it was in that time frame. I don't think it was that specific scene. In Miami. Yeah, in Miami. I'm just kind of going... Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was only really one point where I kind of went, and I think it was during the present in Air Force One, everything was kind of like, I understand Thor is in another dimension. Right. And theoretically caps off on some other mission. Theoretically, uh, Cap 2, the Winter Soldier, is happening at the same exact moment in time. I don't know. Right. Um, Nobody knows yet. But, you know, like Hawkeye or uh, Black Widow, who was so big in uh, the second one, you know, and, and I, I, here's the thing, I didn't want them to be in this movie because I wanted it to be cohesive. Right. And I wanted it to be about Tony. But I, I almost felt like, and I don't know if this was just one of those lines that they were like, do we try to ride this line perfectly with mentioning them and giving it a, a reason for why they're not there without drawing attention to it or just ignoring it and saying most people won't even think about it. And like I said... I only thought about it once, you only thought about it once. Yeah. But it did seem like there need for me, and granted, I'm a comic book guy, so, but it felt like there needed to be a line like, and with Cap out in Bolivia or something. Yeah. Where, like, just, just some line about why he couldn't be there or something. Especially, or maybe this was the point, and I know in the trailers I thought this, when I saw the trailers and I was like, well, they'll probably give, like, a one-line explanation in the movie, but when they are shooting Tony Stark's house with rockets. Keep in mind, this is American soil, and there is an yeah. air-based firefight going on. I, I'm pretty sure that's never happened in American history, I'm not counting Pearl Harbor. Right. So, outside of Pearl Harbor, and some, I'm sure someone is going to come up with, no, this happened in 1972, and just something I'm not aware of. No, but I'm pretty sure you're right. This is a full-fledged right. air battle going on on United States soil, like in contiguous U.S. I mean, the soil. Only, the only other thing that you could even, which is totally, totally different, but airborne-wise, would be 9/11. But that's only because they were using oh, that's true. airplanes as weapons. Right, but I mean, this is they're firing rockets on right. U.S. soil which is and different. hitting, and like I understand the idea that it's. Tony specifically said this is about revenge and this is this is me, between me and the Mandarin. However, the whole movie, they've been talking about how the Mandarin has been 
committing terrorist acts on right. U.S. soil actually, and threatening the president directly. And that's like, that seems, I don't know, perfect for Captain America? Right, which I do remember now when I was thinking where the role is kept is when, what's that Iron Man's friend's name? Rhodey or Happy? Rhodey. Uh, I always want to call him Brody, but it's Rhodey. It, it's, his name is James Rhodes. When um, Brody was out on his little missions... Oh, in Look, Pakistan? In Pakistan. I'm going, where's Captain America? Yeah. Like, why is he not helping? Kind of, uh, you know, when they think that Iron Man is dead and Rhodey's out doing these little, like, missions and they're all false alarms, like, where in the world is Captain America during that? Where in the world oh, is Captain, Captain America? America. <laughs> it's been so well. The flow isn't the same as San Diego. Uh, <laughs> Captain America. The Spanish version. Um, uh, Los Estados Unidos. I think that's how it's said. Anyway, I, I did terribly in Spanish, as we discussed earlier Very tonight. Um, and I dropped out, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish, yeah. Um, and that was, let's talk about those two scenes, because I think there's two you see. One is definitely Pakistan. The other is somewhere in the Middle East. I don't think they specify. Right. How did you... I thought they played out fine. Like, at first, the one where he walks into the room with the... Um, sewing machines. Sewing machines and the women's and, women in burqas. I was like... Again? Okay, thematically, this is... Or t- tonally, this is weird in that they're like, hooray. And then they made it clear that, okay, maybe these women were not there of their own free will, in which case, okay. It was a setup. But then once it turned out to be a setup, I was like, okay, I guess that buys it back. But just thematically and tonally, I was like, this is weird. Yeah, it you was. You just had an armed guy dressed as an American flag bust through your door, apropos of nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was very strange, but because it was a setup, I felt like it worked. Like, whether or not they were being held captive, and then it was like, okay, we're free, or whatever it was supposed to be, it kind of worked because it was a setup. Right. It was, it was strange, I'll give you that. Which, I don't think we've talked about, what did you think of the extremist super soldiers in general? Because that was, that was one of those moments. Um, it was interesting. I thought the... CG or whatever the effects were a little bit strange personally I, I can get behind that not bad just weird yes like that I, I don't think I would have chosen that if you had said well, how are we gonna do this I don't think I would have gone with ball of fire to you know grow me a new arm like yeah I mean the, I, I think the only thing that really the thing that made it stand out is weird to me and this is kind of a weird pool I guess but when Aldrich Killian. Aldrich Killian. That's Aldrich. what it was. Aldrich Killian. Go. Sounds like a Game of Thrones character. Anyway, when he breathes fire, fire one time, it never happens again. It never happens before that. I mean, it is pointed out. Somebody's like, oh, you breathe fire now? Right. But never comes back. And I felt like, because you're exactly right where you're like, a ball of fire gives you the ability to heal. But it's not fire until he breathes fire. Like, it's heat. Well, and I also but, felt like as a uh, people group, we'll go with that species, I don't know, um, what c- could kill them or their weaknesses Yeah, was that was a little very... uncool, unclear because like a direct head wound, no, but if you remove the heart, Right, yes. a blasted chest, like it was very um, poorly defined of, okay, what is their weakness, how do you kill them? Because yes, they were getting blasted by the Iron Man suits left, right, But and sometimes center. that hurt them and sometimes it didn't. Right, and then, you know, Tony Stark's going at, and, well, okay, maybe so, Aldrich, Aldrich is um, older, so... Or he has a different version. Right, it was just, or, like, very strange in how the, when um, the one chick got blown up in the, 
explosion of extreme heat. Like that didn't seem to be cons- uh, in the um, in the little town. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't seem to be consistent with. Okay, so you're saying that you exploded her because she got too hot, but yet. Aldrich is Actually, breathing fire. I had another problem with that scene, and it sounds like we're being really critical, but we both really like this movie. That's okay, and that scene. Why wouldn't you freeze them? That's what I. That was, actually would be a good idea I if you was, like the Terminator. I was waiting for him to like um, when he pulled out the uh, the gas line. I was thinking it was going to be like um, nitrage, um, um, like a coolant or something yeah, because yeah, he was I in a restaurant, and then it ended up being the gas line. And I was like, I was waiting for him to like freeze it and then like crack it, kind of like an X Men kind of a thing. But continue. That scene, I did have a problem in the moment with that scene, and it's a problem that now I think about, think back about it, it sticks out again. Okay, so, woman, not made of fire, but her body is, her body is producing extreme amounts of heat. Okay, fine. Tony, they're in this kitchen, Tony pours, I guess it was gasoline, or some flammable liquid on the floor, and lights it on fire. Fine. Doesn't seem to hurt her. Also, totally fine with that. Then, he opens a gas line, and shoves... Um, I forget which pair of dog tags they were, but he, one of the dead soldiers' dog tags he shoves in the microwave. In the microwave. Okay. And I understand that the idea is it will arc, it will create a spark, and it will light the gas line. There's already an You're open fire, fire in that room, and a woman who is producing so much heat from her body, she can melt through metal. Right. <laughs> and neither of those set it off, but, oh, a spark will be fine. Like, that stuck out to me as, what? But, I mean, they moved on so fast, they didn't have a lot of time to be like, this ruined, this takes me out of the movie. And they're I, already like, I didn't understand, thing. it was like, okay, so these people are spontaneously combusting because they get too hot, but yet they can thrive through this heat. Well, no, I think how it ex- was explained was, when, when you get the extremis injection, there's a period of time before your body either accepts it or rejects it. Okay, maybe that's what I didn't grasp. And now the only thing I would have to say, like, as a question about that was, okay, in front of Grauman's Chinese Theater that blows up where Happy's caught in the explosion? Yes. Had that guy who exploded been given extremis before? Did they just overload him? Why? Because I, I wasn't... It, I mean, he seemed to know what it was. Right. Like, why was he getting it right then? Like, is it something where you have to take in doses at different times to keep it live? Like, a yeah, because I mean, they, they made a point that it was kind of like a drug you had to be able to regulate. They called it and stuff. Um, it just seems strange. But I could understand it because later, when Maya threatens to inject herself, that made sense. Um, if it's like, hey, with a second dose or a bigger dose, you will just explode, and they didn't tell the guys this. You know, like, hey, if we give you a really big dose, you're just going to explode no matter what. Like, your body's not even going to have a chance to accept it. Right. Um, I guess that makes sense. But it, it, it does, like, in retrospect, you're right. There needed to be a little bit clearer definition. And, I mean, they clearly the weren't, like, Wolverine the Chinese, level. Was but. the purpose of the Chinese theater almost, was it to make him spontaneous, like, to combust? Was Oh, that, I, th- I think the point was to have him explode. Okay. Like, that was the other guy's intention was to give him James Batchdale? Yeah, yeah. Like, because... That's what I was trying to figure out. Like, it seemed like an accident, but then thinking back on it, it was like, well, no, that's the whole thing. It's like, you give these guys that, and then it... Well, yeah, and they build it into um, the Mandarin speech about how, you know, the, the whole thing with, like, fortune cookies, it's an American thing designed to look Chinese. Right. Um, that kind of whole fake nationalism thing he's got going mm-hmm. on. That I, That's what it was, because it's, it's Grom, uh, formerly Man's Chinese Theater. I believe it's not Grom's Chinese Theater, unless they change names again, or have them reversed. But, in other words, 
American pose, America posing as China, how dare you, even though that was, that was right. all a ruse. So that, that seemed very on purpose, as opposed to like the one in Tennessee, I have a feeling that wasn't, that was an accident. Right. Well, I didn't know if like, okay, so these people combust and then he made the video afterwards kind of to explain so that they didn't have these random like anomalies of people ex- of these explosions you know what I mean like he didn't exactly plan the explosions like he was okay with them well I don't think he planned the Tennessee one I think he planned the crime well because the Tennessee one. one wasn't reported they had said that that was <laughs> oh right exactly yes yes which yes. I thought was I, I thought that was a I thought that scene was done very well and how he did this, the heat signatures like that actually made sense and now that I think about it they even set it up in that flashback scene in the beginning with the plant exploding with the plant exploding? plant plant remember yes. Uh, yes. Oh, Maya's yes. plant exploded too did you I was curious I wanted to lean over in the theater and be like do you realize that these two people are the same person but I didn't want to be that guy in the theater I know you said you didn't recognize Happy at first I recognized <clears> me right away no no not her Aldrich Killian did you put two and two yes. together that was the same oh guy. yes because for me, he's a very recognizable actor, despite the fact that I'm blanking on his name at this exact moment. Yeah. But I wasn't He's the sure. kind of guy who I see him, and I immediately... He just has a very distinct uh, look about him. Yes. And I, like, I immediately know who he is when I see him in movies. Yeah, and you've Wasn't seen... he in George of the Jungle? No. Or is it... No, the... Oh. Was he the bad guy? He was that? the bad guy in George of the Jungle. I don't think so. Yes. Or that guy looks exactly like him. Because I always place him as the guy in George It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I think we need to look that up when we go He home. was the lead in Memento. Yes. Um, he was a minor but important character in The Road, which you have not seen. I have not seen that movie. Um, and I, for you in particular, I would not suggest it considering... I mean, I thought it was an amazing movie that I never want to see again. It's one of those. Oh, boy. Um, it's really good. I never want to see that again. Pierce, <laughs> Pierce and I have discussed that on another episode. I can't think of his name, but no, he's a very good actor. He was in Prometheus for no good reason. I did think it was a bit strange that Tony Stark's house was completely obliterated. He was drowned. And you see, like, six of his suits being destroyed. Yes. And then all of a sudden, from really nowhere in particular, this, like, hole opens up. The wine cellar. Is that what it was? It was. Now, granted, like, I... it looks like the entire house falls off that cliff in the scenes. Like, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I just thought that was maybe... It wasn't incredibly clear. It was obvious that it came out of the wreckage, but it looked like in the one scene, like, the entire house fell. So there was no wreckage except for... Well, not for the entire it. house. The, all the overhanging part. Which is most of the house. Most, but not all. I mean, I knew it was coming... So I was sure looking I. for it. But no, no, I knew the armor was there. Oh, okay. So I was paying attention. And there are a few points where it is mentioned. The wine cellar is mentioned. Okay. Um, I believe he actually, you actually see him putting wine down there at one point. Remember when he puts the phone that Happy's talking to him on? Yes, in the he is down it. That's um, true. And there are a few references that if you don't know what's coming, you don't realize what he's talking about, but about the other armors. Keep in mind, he jumped from Mark 7 to Mark 42 in this movie. And right. possibly 43 as well, which, again, I really loved 43. Right. Um, that was just cool. <laughs> it was Assassin's Creed, basically. It, it is mentioned, if you, the wine cellar, um, there's a few, it's a few conversations with, I believe, Jarvis is mentioned. Yeah. And then there's that one point towards the beginning, before Happy is uh, hurt in the explosion, where he's talking to Pepper. And I forget which one of them says it, but they're like, 
we should use all the take all the unused ones or something like or take all those other ones and replace them as use them as janitors basically in the building that's that's what they were talking about okay I missed that well you would have missed it I I only picked out realized what they were saying because I knew what they were hinting at because I knew too much about the movie can we go back to the actual destruction of the house just in general because what did you think of so he's being crushed in the wreckage he's going down in the water and then the water started going into the suit and I was like oh I'm not claustrophobic but I'm really feeling claustrophobic right now and granted you have to keep in mind the square footage and the whole water pressure thing and then he's like Jarvis like take a deep breath sir and his and the glove pops off I thought that was neat I thought it was neat but in practicality he would have been so dead depending water was already coming into the suit at that point. You could see it seeping around the edge no, of the No, no, yeah. no, I agree with that. But it's just like the water, like he would have been, in, wouldn't he have been crushed? I don't know. I thought No, was, he was only I like 50 was, feet below the surface. Okay, I saw He was just trapped by those um, cables. Okay. It, it seemed a little hokey in the moment to me, but I'll, I'll give him that. It was just kind of like, mm. but I did like how they get, they got out of it. I just like how he took out the helicopter with the piano. Oh. That was pretty sweet. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> That whole sequence. Yeah, which again, a lot of it shown in the trailer, but still, you know, like the ending of it and stuff and, and how it played out in entirety was really cool. Which, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I kind of felt like the dysfunctional suit was a metaphor for his current uh, state in life. That makes sense. Which I, I found to be Well, it's also, it's a prototype. I mean, I wouldn't say it's dysfunctional so much as it's just okay, not but, ready. But he's not ready either. Right, so, it you know. just, it worked of not always wanting, doing what he wanted it to do, and he was having the panic attacks, and not being totally in control of everything that was going on, I thought was a, maybe a metaphor is not the right word, but right, right. parallel. But yeah, overall, very good movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well, and I'll talk to Pierce with it as well. I'm not sure if this will be a separate episode or connected, edited together, maybe a long one. Who knows? We'll see. But we're home, so have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at jordan at legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N at legionofdudes.com. Or follow me on Twitter at Jordan FRM Jersey.